back to the EPL show. We've covered off the international break. England are through to the World Cup for next year. Now all the international nonsense is over. It's all about Premier League action, Champions League, Europa League, all those European competitions are finishing up. And the League Cup as well uh, will come around before the turn of the year. But uh, one team that's got nothing else to worry about other than picking themselves picking themselves up the Premier League table is Aston Villa. And they are going to try and do that with Steven Gerrard at the helm. Uh, a, a massive transfer window for them in the summer after a brilliant season last season. They obviously lose Jack Grealish. It's a bit of that Gareth Bale effect. You know, Jack, Jack Grealish moves on. They've tried to replace him with, with uh, three people that uh, they would hope uh, would become one Jack Grealish in Leon Bailey, uh, Danny Ings, and Emmy Buendia, of course, uh, from Norwich. It hasn't quite worked. They're currently sitting 16th on the table with 10 points, just two points above the relegation zone. Steven Gerrard, the manager, can he be Steven Gerrard, the player, and then can he do more than Steven Gerrard, the player, and perhaps uh, in, in future years and become a Premier League champion is uh, the question. Uh, Josh, I believe you, you're preparing preparing <laughs> something for us. Well, it was a, a pretty inauspicious departure. Yeah, this, is, this is what he said when he was asked about his, uh, his future at Rangers when all the speculation was going on. Do I look happy? Very. Do I look settled? Don't ask me silly questions then. So it wasn't a silly question after no, all. No, not at all. That was, uh, I, th- I think that was uh, initially referencing uh, links to uh, the Newcastle job, as mm-hmm. it were, but uh, it, it, they, they crossed over very quickly. As, uh, as, as soon as Dean Smith was, was sacked uh, at Aston Villa, uh, it, uh, it, it seemed to happen very quickly from one of those that from the first little rumour that mm-hmm. you know, they're looking at him uh, and then they were tying up the deal. You, I've, I feel, have a probably a stronger knowledge or uh, have watched more of the Scottish Premier League than I have. Talk us through, uh, I guess, your knowledge of Steven Gerrard's Rangers. Just how good were they? They went, of course, undefeated, mm. winning the league uh, last season. Do you think he can bring that to Aston Villa? I'm not sure. Uh, it depends if the players sort of fit with his, uh, I guess, his style of play. Uh, he went through quite a few different systems at Rangers before he settled on what he really wanted. And uh, then they, um, you know, they smashed the rest of the season. It was uh, quite um, a lot of interchangeable attacking midfield players who would swap positions and uh, sort of four one four one shape. It, it, it was quite fluid and, uh, they played quite narrow in the uh, in the attacking midfield spots and and got forward a lot with the fullbacks. Uh, so there was a, quite a lot of possession play. It wasn't quite as uh, you know Captain Marvel crash bang and thunder as, as Stephen Gerrard's Liverpool uh, career was on the pitch. <laughs> I always think that managers uh, coach how they played, uh, mm. but I think Gerrard has been influenced a lot by his assistants and his team. Yeah. And that's really important as part of his uh, development as a coach. 
that he's got an experienced backroom staff with him. And I think a lot of the tactical insight actually comes from his assistant coach. Yeah. But the whole team is coming with him. They've just left Jermaine Defoe behind in the Sky Sports <laughs> studio. Everyone else Poor is guy. coming with him, so they've gutted the Rangers coaching staff. <laughs> so that's good news for Villa. Yeah, that I'm just was... not quite sure how I'd feel as a Villa fan knowing that this is literally just his audition for the Liverpool job. It's Yeah, it's a funny sort of dynamic, isn't it? Because already... It's a, a lot of the narrative really has nothing to do with Aston Villa. It's mm. about Gerard coming to the Premier League, and if this goes well, then surely he he takes over from Klopp when he leaves. But mm. if this doesn't go well, then does that spell the end of of his dreams to coach Liverpool? We've seen uh, Frank Lampard. He's is maybe an example of him taking the job too early. So where where do you think? I guess mm. this. Football nowadays seems to to be in this um, this trend of uh, you know clubs are hiring uh, former uh, former players or, mm. or, or legendary players in a Barcelona have just done it with Xavi. Um, I guess it remains to be seen whether that works. Juventus with Andre Pirlo not quite worked out. Mm. So it's do, do you th- what do you think about that trend? I, I, I guess that that's happening. Yeah. I. I think it's uh, clubs trying uh, one to uh, curry favour with their supporters mm. by appointing a manager uh, that has legendary playing experience. But what clubs don't think about when they appoint that manager is eventually one way or another that manager is going to leave. Yep. And usually you're going to sack him. And that's an awkward proposition when it's Steven Gerrard, you know, Stevie G, Liverpool legend. I think it's way too early to think yeah. about the Liverpool job. Uh, even you know if he is successful at Villa and maybe gets them you know to Premier League safety first and foremost and and establishes them as a as a comfortable mid table side or even you know pushes for Europa League like uh, like Martin O'Neill did back in the mm. day with the villains, does that qualify him for the Liverpool gig? I mean Jurgen Klopp got made the Champions League final with Borussia Dortmund and won the Bundesliga before he was considered. Mm. Twice That's, as well, didn't he? The exactly. Yep. He won it twice. And, um, you know, was pipped to the post in the Champions League by a last-minute Bayern Munich goal from Iron Robin. Mm. So that's a hell of an apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, Klopp made his way through uh, the world of German football and now into English football purely on merit. Nobody particularly knew who he was from his playing days. He did play. He was a yeah. defender at Mainz. He always jokes about how bad he was. Yep. I think he exaggerates that a little bit. <laughs> um, but... You know, he is one of the top coaches in the world for um, uh, for a reason because he spent years and years honing his craft and Steven Gerrard simply hasn't done that. So I, you know, this is a bit of a Jamie Carragher style take, but um, you know what he said about at Frank Lampard, you know, um, I can't really do the accent. <laughs> I'd like to see him get the Chelsea job, you know, in 10 years. You know, maybe that's for Stevie G. Maybe, 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 maybe he can get the Liverpool job. There, <laughs> um, but it's it, it's an interesting one because Frank Lampard certainly when he was hired, my first reaction was that he's way too early. Mm. He he had had one season in management with Derby. He was parachuted Did, in because they had a transfer ban, yeah, and they thought, oh, it'll be low pressure environment for him. Uh, this season, and you know they didn't really have any realistic aspirations that year of challenging for the title of Champions League. As soon as he had a transfer budget to play with, he was found out. Yeah, I, I think there's 
probably speaks about some issues at, at Chelsea in in general as well because there's there was plenty of talk after he left, even while he was there, that he didn't really even want Timo Werner. Uh, and and some mm. of the signings really yeah. were, were were over his head. Did he bring the Germans in? As his as his father in law said. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, exactly. And you know, you you thought that that hire then had to come with time. Mm. And then, of course, you know, we're, wherever they were, seventh or eighth at, at whatever point, and it's worked out for Chelsea in the end. Clearly, Thomas Tuchel's come in. Um, won them a Champions League and has them at the moment on top of the Premier League and, and on course for a, a very strong title push. But the uh, the backroom staff is, is something uh, that, that you mentioned as well. The uh, I I work a, a little bit with um, a, a few Scottish guys um, that mm. obviously follow uh, the Scottish Premier League closely. And, and one of them said that um, it – it really is down to Michael Beale, who is the Steven Gerrard's assistant. He was the academy director, I believe. He was certainly the under-23s manager at Liverpool around the same time. Uh, well, he, he was for, for a number of years. And then, of course, uh, Gerrard's first taste of management was with the under-18s at Liverpool. Curtis Jones was the the captain of, of that side uh, a few years ago. So it... it it seems that a lot of the yeah the the wisdom behind the scenes comes from Michael Beale. Even with Jurgen Klopp, he mm-hmm. has always said that he he's just the manager, he's just the face of it, and he takes expertise from you know um, Zelko Buvac, who's, who's now moved on. He always used to say that none nothing none of their success would have happened without him, without Peter Kravitz, the other uh, assistant coach as well. Gary McAllister is that, is that mini Klopp with the glasses and no, the beard? that's that's Andreas Kornmeyer. He's oh, the sorry. he's the the fitness guy. Um, Peter Kravitz <laughs> is the the real big one with oh, the, the yep, booming okay. voice. Um, uh, Gary McAllister, former uh, obviously Liverpool. Legend. Maybe legend is a bit of a stretch, well, but icon uh, yeah. at least um, is is the... certainly favoured personnel in football. Yeah, yeah, teams for, <laughs> for sure. I mean, he won a scouse treble. <laughs> yeah. The they're the the trio that are, are coming in, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And look, the Villa squad has the quality. We've we've mentioned those players that they brought in. Uh, we we saw the the success that they had last mm. season. So was it premature the sacking of Dean Smith? I think it was. Yeah, I, I was surprised by it. I mean, you just ripped out the best player that uh, your club has had in the modern era, probably. You know, mm-hmm. in, certainly in the last decade, Jack Grealish was the best player and probably the most important player to any Premier League team as an individual. And he's gone. Yes, you get a hundred million pounds. Yes, you invest in the squad, and there's a big transfer spend there, of course, over a number of years, but. Wouldn't you expect uh, a period of uh, getting used to life without Jack? Because mm, you've seen Villa play without him when he was injured or or whatnot before, and they were terrible. So, yeah. of course, there was going to be an, a, an adjustment period, a grace period, and the, and the players that they've bought, with the exception of Ings, who of course is a ready-made, successful striker, uh, are more sort of money ball signings for the future that might attract big fees from other clubs. They're young, early twenties players like Buendia and Leon Bailey in particular, who probably won't hit their peak for another three or four years. So I think mm. expecting results straight away was a bit uh, a bit naive from the Villa ownership. Yeah, the 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 Grealish thing is is a good one that you mentioned because when he was injured for a, a fair portion of the back half of last season, that was really when their their European yeah. push hit the rocks, and mm. it it it's been shown countless times. I, I mentioned Gareth Bale. Luis Suarez when he left Liverpool, Eden Hazard when he left Chelsea, obviously that did coincide with Lampard coming in and the transfer ban and whatever. And 
I do believe they, they still made the top four in the end anyway. Yeah, they just um, snuck in on the final day, as I recall. Yeah, so there, there, there is that hangover when a, a star player leaves, especially when he's a captain. And, you know, when Jack Grealish for, for a very long time was the crown jewel of Aston Villa, you know, when he when he wasn't um, being pictured in some uh, unfortunate scenarios when he was a, a, a younger wee lad. Um, <laughs> I think he was still the crown prince in a yeah, different way. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Um, but... Yeah, it's and, and I think we've we've seen previously as well clubs that have had uh, sort of those bolter kind of of seasons. The next season they ultimately have a little bit of that hangover. I, I I'll never forget when uh, when Birmingham had an absolutely fantastic campaign with uh, Alex McLeish. They came eighth uh, and then ended up in Europe and then they were relegated the season after. I remember the same thing happened with Stoke when they. Uh, I think they lost the F- FA Cup final to Man City, but got into Europe. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that's a, a more European thing. But even pre- um, uh, more recently, we've seen um, Leicester season after they won the Premier League, perhaps a, a little bit more severe because that Premier League title was uh, just a, a, a stuff stuff of legend, so to speak. But they had a drop off. Southampton had a, a really positive end to two seasons ago. Were a bit. Meh, last season they've stuck with Ralph Hasenhutl, which is uh, is interesting to compare. A uh, couple other managerial changes, and the one we're talking about surprising managerial changes: waking up and finding out that Daniel Farker had been sacked by Norwich City Just after <laughs> they got their first win of the Premier League season. How on earth does that make sense? Winning games. <laughs> we don't do that here. Yeah. It's bad for the brand. I mean, <laughs> look, the only piece of silverware Norwich are going to win is the championship over and over again. And if Daniel Farker's uh, uh, desire to win Premier League matches uh, gets in the way of that silverware, then he's got to go. You know, <laughs> ridiculous. But yeah, I don't know. Again, what do you expect when you don't invest in the squad? Yeah, um, I think Villa have gone too hard in one direction with. Um, signing too many players and trying to incorporate them all immediately. But I think they will improve in the second half of the year. Uh, Gerrard aside, Dean Smith aside, whoever's in charge, those players are going to gel and they're going to improve. Norwich have gone with basically the same squad with a number of players poached, um, including, you know, Buendia, of course, uh, who's their playmaker as they Mm. strolled to championship success last season. Mm. And, you know, surprisingly... They're the worst team in the league. <laughs> it happened uh, two seasons ago as well, exactly the same way. So, you know, um, if you're not willing to uh, invest from ownership perspective to stay in the league, and you don't have to go crazy like Fulham did, mm. um, then I don't. I don't see how you stay up. I don't see what Daniel Farker could have really done differently. Maybe he's too ambitious with his style of play with the players at his disposal, yeah. but you know, you knew that when you hired him. So. It it doesn't quite uh, make sense to me, and uh, they've got Dean Smith in. He's straight back into yeah. employment uh, it's after the, it's being the sacked by his, uh, eight, his boyhood club. Eight days it took him to <laughs> to find another Premier League job, which which is the quickest turnaround for a manager between jobs mm. in the Premier League in history, uh, as you could imagine. It's crazy. Um, like he, he shouldn't have been sacked. And he probably shouldn't have been hired, but yeah. he's got no, he's got a job again. So good on <laughs> Dean Smith. Yeah, I, I don't mean, see them staying up. No. Um, I think he's a good man for the job, 
uh, whether he can sort of handle the emotional roller coaster of the the eight days yeah. <laughs> uh, is another thing. It'll take some adjustment from a human level, but as a as a coach, I think he's a very good good one. Uh, but I still don't think they stay up in the Premier League. I think it's a, a real real tough ask. Yeah, I'm just looking up now the the route from Birmingham to Norwich. Two hour fifty six minute drive. <laughs> Split that over eight days. That's a, a handful of minutes <laughs> Could have each day. That. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's yeah, Norwich. It's a sad one because when when they do connect with, or, or certainly have connected with, with some of that football, that that bold football that you mentioned that Daniel Farker liked to play, they've they've looked really good. Mm. And but it's it's yeah, perhaps that naivety or you know they've. At times, they've changed from a back three sort of just randomly for a couple of games, um, and they've they've tinkered with formations. And I think they I think they have brought players in that maybe just haven't worked. I think Milot uh, Rashica uh, from yeah, from Verde Bremen. Um, he was a, a very exciting signing, but he just hasn't cut it. Uh, Matthias Norman is one that that has done well. He's on loan from from uh, Rostov in Russia, but I mean. Billy Gilmore is is now bizarrely sort of frozen out of the team after initially playing uh, or playing quite a bit uh, in in the early part of the season. I remember he was he was very good against Liverpool on opening day. The couple of Greek guys that they got, um, Dimitris Yanoulis in particular, also was very good in that Liverpool game. Josh Sargent hasn't really uh, trans- transitioned in yet, so there's an Irish contingent there, which is not yeah, um, you know. Uh, they they're playing international football and starting games for mm. Republic of Ireland now, um, in Ida and Omabama Delhi yep. uh, at centre back as well. Yeah, um, so McLean as well. He's you Irish. know, it's a championship level squad. Scottish, it's yeah. a championship level squad. So, like some of the names you mentioned, could prove to be shrewd pickups or um, break through and, and prove to be maybe Premier League level talent, but. And we few and far between. They're a yo-yo team, and they're yep. going to remain that way. I think. Yeah, they are. They are stuck in in quite an awful no man's land. I think we we've had teams that have come up and yeah uh, up up and down in, previously. I think West Brom is is a more uh, recent example of that. Hull City maybe uh, towards the early part of the 2010s were up and down a little bit, but I, I've really never seen anything like it with this Norwich team where they can just boss the championship. You know, the last mm. two times they've been in the championship, they have won the league by a mile uh and now they as soon as they go up to the premier league it's just whatever happens that it's yeah the way they play they're good when they're uh playing on the front foot Mm. against uh, and when they're uh the favorite in the game and they can afford to be the uh proactive team but when you try and play that way against superior opposition and you don't really have an underdog game plan uh, it's hard to survive. I applaud them for for trying to to play some football and you know not Sean Dyche their way to survival. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know it's, it, it's not a great underdog strategy to expose yourself to that level of risk in possession. So maybe that's why uh, Norwich have decided the change is in order. But maybe if they get relegated, which they probably will anyway, mm. maybe Daniel Farker can come back and get them promoted again. Possibly he, he could be a promotion specialist. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they do exist. You know, yeah. there's plenty of them in the English game. Usually more uh, local British managers. Uh, but uh, that, that, Neil Warnock, you know, one yeah, of them. exactly. Um, you know, there are a few guys that, that know how to game the championship with their specific yep. system. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And, I mean, it, it obviously is early days, so the, the mm. gaps between teams aren't fully formed yet. They are only five points adrift of 17th at the moment. So if Dean Smith can come in and, and pull something mad off, 
it's it's not quite. A hundred percent away from them yet. I think you know, sort of mathematically and and from mm-hmm. a literal sense, certainly from a just an eye test point of view, it looks like there's no way they can stay up. But perhaps uh, Dean Smith can can work some magic. And the one other uh, new managerial appointment is uh, well on equal points with Norwich City. Uh, no no wins uh, so far for them this season. Uh, just the five draws, six defeats in eleven games for Newcastle United, the newly cashed up Newcastle United. And Eddie Howe is finally back in uh, or in Premier League management, but in any management, yeah. of course, we uh, we know what, what ended up with Celtic uh, in in the summer. Uh, and obviously, our Ange has, has landed there. I'm not sure about this one. I think Eddie Howe, look, he did very well with Bournemouth uh, for, for a few years, but that team really is just really stagnated. And I think he... He did very little to to turn turn it around uh, in in a more positive direction. So. He made some terrible buys as well. Uh, I'm not sure Solanke and Jordan Ibe. how he's going to go with a 200 million pound transfer kitty uh, <laughs> because uh, well look I think um, I think he's leaving at the end of the season but uh, Michael Edwards will be licking his lips knowing how much money <laughs> yeah. Eddie Howe has to yeah. spend. One, one last one last parting <laughs> gift will uh, will be getting 30 million from Newcastle for. I don't know who, Kia, Nico Williams or, or whatever. <laughs> he, he's already at Wolves, oh, unfortunately. He would have been a nice one. Or maybe Nat Phillips. There you go. Yeah, New, Newcastle would say Nat Phillips. 30 million for, 30 for Nat Phillips to Ching. <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> love that just quietly. Um, but yeah, Newcastle, one of one of the few predictions, you mentioned my Crystal Palace prediction that we're, we're not going to, to talk about. Um, Aston Villa, I predicted them to be uh, quite high on the table. I think and, everybody got sucked in by the yeah, door. Um, Although you, you didn't, I remember that. I, was, I, I didn't. You, okay, well so, that's good. That's good to know. I, I, I don't I, remember. I think you had them sort of mid tenth or below, yeah, maybe just mid-table. below. Um, but Newcastle, I think, was one that I I did pin in the relegation zone uh, preseason. They're sitting there now, like I said, with no wins. What What do you think Eddie Howe needs to do? He's he's got his boy Callum Wilson back, and Ryan Fraser, of course, is yep. is in the mix. Can he bring something out of them? Look, they, they do have some talent. Alan St. Maximan is, is obviously a brilliant player. Joel Linton was was very good in the Bundesliga, hasn't uh, brought that across to the Premier League. What what can – oh, Matt Ritchie, of course. Goodness, it is a bit of a Bournemouth reunion, this yeah. team. So what do you think Eddie Howe can, can bring something out of, of these – these players and take Newcastle back? Well, there'll be goodwill from the fans, less so from opposition fans for mm. obvious reasons. Uh, the best covered by more serious news outlets than ours. But uh, <laughs> look, uh, until they uh, get an opportunity to spend, uh, I don't think uh, it's going to change markedly. Just the um, the managerial change will lift spirits, I think, because Steve Bruce was just such a... Um, uh, persona non grata is mm. the uh, is the expression I was reaching for there uh, on Tyne side. You know they just they just didn't like him, no, um, and he was did. never. They made their mind up about him very early that he was a cheap option, that he was uh, a instrument of a, of a regime that they didn't support. And now Eddie Howe is the new man. I think will be greeted with open arms. He tries to play a more proactive, more possession focused style of football, where Steve Bruce was very much. Uh, you know, sort of five four one or four four five one uh, counter attacking. The thing I'm really interested in is whether Alan Maximan fits into a team concept 
because mm. he's the most individualistic player in the Premier League, Very and true. he's fantastic to watch. A bit like Adama Traore, except maybe leaning more towards the stepovers and less towards yeah, the road runner speed. He, he can actually sort of cross a ball as well, Hanson <laughs> yeah. so Maximum. <laughs> yeah, true. But th- th- there's that similar uh, yeah, level that of explosiveness, and, explosiveness, yeah. trickery, yeah. and individualism that makes them stand out. And you, you sit up and take notice and go, "These guys aren't passing." <laughs> you know? yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's like the kid in the goal movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's yeah. just taking on players over and over again, and he gets a lecture from and his. The, Manager. And the, I think the, the scouts sitting on the sidelines pass it, Santiago. You <laughs> know why we pass? <laughs> because the ball is faster than you. Yeah, the, the, the classic <laughs> under 11s coaching move. Yeah. Right? And I say, if I kick the ball and you try and run after it, which yeah. one's going to be quicker? <laughs> so I, I think it. Eddie Howe might have to have the same conversation with mm. uh, Mr. Gucci Headbands. And uh, it could be an interesting one uh, because yeah. he's, it's going to be a, a huge change in, in style for him. Uh, for the team, obviously, I think it's a positive. I'm not sure if the ownership know what they're doing because going after Unai Emery and then Eddie Howe seems to suggest you have no idea what style of football you want to play yeah. uh, or what kind of personality you want in the dugout. You seem they, They're just going for a name that has a CV, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so don't, don't love the uh, organization behind the scenes, um, but Eddie Howe should be an improvement on Steve Bruce, which... Uh, for Newcastle fans in their uh, assessment of uh, of Steve Bruce as a manager, which I think is slightly harsh, mm. uh, that's not difficult bar to clear. Yeah, I, I do feel for Steve Bruce, and he he had that quote uh, sort of on his way out about you know how it's affected him and and his family and how it, it's. it's you're going to say he said house the bacon? Did you say <laughs> <laughs> doing a kebab? <laughs> but, uh, um, and, and how he said that it's it's probably going to be his last uh, last job in management because he just he really couldn't take it anymore, which is unfortunate because you know he's he's had a great career in in football, not so much a, as a manager in a, a top flight level. He's he had a couple of promotions with uh, did he get Sunderland it up? I'm not sure, but he definitely he, he did, definitely yeah. had promotion with um, with Hull. Yeah, uh, and well, he, he left uh, before Dean Smith took over at Aston Villa, and he seems like and a nice guy as well. He does the, yeah. the level of hatred for him is so over the top. Yeah, and um, I guess it's more directed towards Mike Ashley for yeah. hiring him in the first place and not paying Rafa Benitez what he wanted or and, giving him the resources he needed. And so he, that, that was the resentment he came in with his, his yeah. discount Rafa, yeah. essentially. Very true, and he did. Well, like th- this Newcastle team, I, I mentioned that I-, I had them pinned for relegation. A lot of people have been for a few years mm. predicting Newcastle to go down every time. They came 12th last season above Wolves, Southampton, Brighton, mm. for example. The season before, I don't actually know if he managed the season before. I'm pretty sure he did. 13th, again, mm. above West Ham and Aston Villa, who sure. are now, you know, sort of on, on paper better than them. So... Harsh on the Steve defense Bruce, but- was surprisingly porous in comparison to Rafa. I was looking at the stats, and um, Newcastle finished in you know pretty respectable ladder positions, as you say. But uh, they can, they shipped a lot more goals, which mm. is surprising when you think of him as quite a pragmatic coach. Yeah. So maybe he lacked the level of tactical detail and insight that Rafa has in order to organise a backline. Now that, that that's certainly um, you know something that uh, Newcastle fans would have uh, been annoyed about, but you know. They scored a similar amount of goals. Rafa was a pretty defensive manager, maybe out of necessity with the the resources, but I don't think they played markedly different styles of football. So it, it seems as if they're 
dare I say, uh, delusions of grandeur on on the tune. Uh, no, no yeah. more because they have a, a transfer war chest to match the uh, the ambitions of their fans. Yeah, and, and I mean, if if they're not happy with conceding goals, then uh, Eddie Howe is is going to bring something all. Um, all the more uh, frustrating for them, I think. You, you look at the some of the numbers of, of Bournemouth's Premier League seasons, well over 60 goals conceded each year. Mm. Uh, yes, maybe it's counteracted by a fairly decent goal return that, that they had most years. And, you know, that they were competing around the top half for, for a few years. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not too big a fan of this one. I think there was a lot of hype around Eddie Howe about his um, you know, potential to be an England manager or I remember he was heavily linked with the Arsenal job at sure. one point and I, I just don't quite see it myself. I think the way that it, it ended up at Bournemouth, um, yes, a, a, a good couple of seasons uh, for a brief period of time, but the way they sort of went down really without a fight, um, I, I think – didn't didn't reflect too well on him, but you know he's he's had a couple of years out he of the did game. Get them now. Up, on, up twice. It was it two promotions yeah, or three uh, over over a few years. I think it was. Yeah, but it was a, the, a very yeah. small club. Yeah. Um. You know the the buzz generated around that place was unbelievable. Like it was an unthinkable feat to get them into the yeah. Premier League, and we became used to them because they survived for so long. That's true. So I, I think assessing him uh, based on the latter years of his reign, even if he did make some expensive transfer mistakes and so forth, it might be slightly unfair. Um, is the Newcastle job too big for him? I think we'll have to wait and see. Mm. He seems like uh, the only available manager who wanted to take it, not necessarily the best coach they could yep. have gone out and got. Um, but I, I still think he's a good coach. Yeah. Well, uh, like you said, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how he fits in. Uh, at Newcastle, he'll have his first game at home uh, against mm. Brentford. Incidentally, the team that just lost to uh, Hands at Norwich, their first win of the season. So will they hand Newcastle their first win of the season? We'll take one last break uh, and come back and preview the rest of the fixtures for the Premier League's return. Don't miss it.